Welcome to the Keyforge Premier League podcast, where we will focus on the people of the community that are contributing to the growth of our sport. Get inside perspectives on the reasons they play Keyforge, what they think about the community, and various other sidebars and hijinks. Be sure to go to the website, www.keyforgepremierleague.com, to find everything you need to know to get started on your path to the top. Thank you again for tuning into the podcast. And if you have any inputs or requests, please reach out to us at keyforgepremierleague at gmail.com. And we will do our best to represent the demand of the player base. The Keyforge Premier League is by the community for the community. And welcome to the Keyforge Premier League Weekly with Jupiter Sacadura from Manlius, New York. And I have again for the third time in a row to finish out mm-hmm. our series, Mr. Drascor. Drascor, yes. yes, from the great state of Pennsylvania who can't count votes fast. Nope. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> one 1,000. Two 1,000. <laughs> no, but it's all good because uh, it, a lot of people have been waiting on this third episode too, so drama is all over in 2020, right? Go Corona. But uh, anyway, so what we're here to talk about uh, is episode three of our, our three-part mini-series that we were doing basically on decks and like how we look at decks and how we basically can dis- distinguish better decks from like the mediocre or like you know b-rate decks how do we get to an a plus deck basically is what we're looking for or that s tier deck right um and so we've already covered uh rush and like uh, amber um value and stuff like that in the first episode in the second episode we talked about board control that evolved into a different idea of um instead of calling it board control now the the term that i think we came up with was controlling the game state um, right. And so like, uh, I think that is a much better way for people to think about it instead of just board control, think of it as controlling the game state. So that has like a much wider connotation. And, uh, but, um, there's a lot of parts that go into that. Um, but last and not least for certain is efficiency. Um, and efficiency basically is the idea that you can move through your deck at a more rapid rate than your opponent or at at least at a rate to which doesn't impede you, right? Because one of the biggest things in any game is that you, the more cards you draw, the more options you get and the more decisions you get to make. And then basically if you're on par with your opponent, then you both are looking and making this, having the same like amount of data to make decisions off of. But if you can gain an advantage and get more data to get more decisions, you have a bigger like basically tree to pick from, right? So that's my idea on efficiency. So Drascore, what 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 does efficiency mean to you? Yeah, yeah. So definitely definitely about moving through your deck quickly, right? Getting to those cards you need at the right time. You know, a lot of decks have certain cards you're looking for. They have combos potentially. Um, you know, maybe they have bad cards. Right, so how do you get past those bad cards? Focus on those good ones. Yeah. Interesting, though, when you're talking about S tier and A plus, you shouldn't have bad cards. That is, the, I mean, that not is, a lot. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> putting this out there for the listeners, right? Like, if you're really looking for top tier Vault Tour level decks, you don't judge by the best cards you have in your deck. You judge by the worst cards you have in your deck. If you have too many bad cards, it is going to at some point affect you and hinder you from winning. So. 
that's like a PSA on that. But uh, moving forward, I get what you're saying. But like, you want to get through untimely yeah. cards sometimes. We'll call them untimely cards. <laughs> yeah, though I do think there's there's a, a balance though, right? Because I think definitely early on, I underestimated this stat, right? And I really, I really just sort of thought to myself, we'll just just get all the good cards, and that'll be enough. And certainly having all the good cards can help a lot. But a lot of times those good cards need to come out in the right order, right? So having, you know, that gateway of dis, that's a great card, right? You want that in your deck. Maybe you want two of them. But um, getting it at the wrong time just slows you down. So having no way to archive, having no way to draw more cards to get around it, suddenly that good card, that card you really want in your deck, now becomes a little bit of a hindrance or a chain. So efficiency allows you to to be much more nimble with those good cards to maximize their value i think yeah i agree and you brought up the idea of an archive an archive is definitely something that is important um and a lot of newer players don't fully understand the 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 ability of what archiving does for you right because archiving basically gives you basically a delayed draw right like it gives you an extra card basically to put aside and especially like if you're saying like early on you get a, a end game card and you don't have a use for it you don't want to keep it in your hand because that keeps you from drawing so you either have to discard it or have a tool to archive it right that's why cards like in mass mutations like we've seen an uptick in a lot of like uh, efficiency because we have cards like auto encoder where now you get paid double for discarding you get to draw another card plus you get a card in your archive so that's like a two for one that's why auto encoder is a monster of a card mm -hmm. super strong super strong yeah so like with that said um let's move on through efficiency then and we'll we'll go through this guideline um we'll first talk about like the efficiency comes with how many cards that you draw and like how many cards are you getting off a of value off of the draw and the different types of cards that go with it? So I'll let you lead this discussion, Drascore, since you did your homework this week. Yeah, well, right. Well, after last time when you were like, you know, oh, you, should, you know, you didn't come up with an outline. I was like, oh, I better do it this time. <laughs> so I, I thought a little bit more this time. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, drawing is maybe maybe the most common type of efficiency, and I think there's, you know, a couple ways to to think about drawing and. This is also maybe why I underestimated efficiency early on when I was playing. And, and that's that drawing one card, extra card in your turn, is only probably just mediocre, right? It's probably roughly a one-third chance that you're going to draw a card of your active house, right? So those first couple decks that you got way back in, in Coda, where you got you know one library of Babel, right? Like, it didn't really do that much for you, right? That, that one doc book, booked in wasn't that exciting. But when you start being able to um, draw multiples, draw a little more, something like Igor, right, where you can draw three cards and pick the one you want, it starts so, to get better and better. So f fundamentally, what is the difference between Igor and Library of Babel and doc booked in? Yeah, so both Library of Babel and doc booked in basically just let you draw the top card of your deck, add it to your hand. Right, library battle behaving art in uh, artifact, doc booked in a creature that can reap. Yeah, but there's a very big fundamental difference in these two types of cards that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. One mm -hmm. one comes into play, and you have to wait a turn to use it. 
Sure. The other one comes into play and it is activated instantly, right? So mm-hmm. like Igor's mm-hmm. value is really in the fact that you get to play the card and you get to look at three cards, you get to draw a card and discard two cards to the side and basically shuffle, get through your deck to the cards you need, right? Whereas cards like Library of Babel, Doc Bookton, they're very, um, they're very much, they come into play and like the value there seems good. But it really isn't because you get no value from it, and there's a chance that they destroy it before you ever get value. So it becomes a dead card. Like you just played a card, it drew a card, which is like what we said is the worst type of efficiency that you can have, right? So mm-hmm. like um, that's why these kind of uh, cards like handcuff people, especially newer people, because they see it and they go, "Well, oh, I get to draw a card if I get to use it, right?" It's like like the the Niffle Ape argument. A lot of people go, "Well, Niffle Ape isn't horrible, right? Because it's a three power body and it gets around skirmish and illusion and evasive and all that stuff." Like, um, you know, and so that it's a decent creature, right? No, because it has to come into play. It's only three power and it has to be there for a whole turn before it can be active. So in, in, in hindsight, it's actually a super slow card for what it does, right? Because we want cards that have impact on the game every turn and as you play them. Right, right. It's like the, the curse of Worlds Collide Brobnar, right? So many cards <laughs> that have got effects, but none of those effects or almost none of those effects trigger upon play. Right, why, so. and, and why is Coda Brobnar the best Brobnar? Yeah, well, it's got, you know, you've got Bumpsy, right, where you can mm-hmm. go and you can remove one of your opponent's Ember on play. You've got Smash, where you go stun an opponent's creature on play. They're all coming uh, to play, and then you yeah, had, and you had War yeah. Drummer. Yeah, and, and War Drummer. And, and War mm-hmm. Drummer enabled them, right? So that's yep. why... that's why Co- Flame Fists, Anger, right, to fight right away. You mm-hmm. know, all sorts of, of interesting stuff to do. But... Um, but yeah, all these effects where, okay, deal two damage to a guy in a flank after you fight or something. Like, mm-hmm. how great is that? Right. So, so, so we're starting to see like why there's differences in efficiency, right? Like, um, this is like we said, we're targeting more of the newer players, but it's also some of the, uh, you know, the, the middle range players and the casuals. But like the idea of why some of these cards that people think are great, like Niffle Apes, who there's like a fond thing for them, right? They're kind of a cool niche. Like, uh, especially now with the Kongs and stuff, I have a Kong deck mm-hmm. and I love, like, the Nephilapes are great and fun. But the only reason that they're good in a Kong deck is because I can go get all my Nephilapes at once and basically thin my deck, right? Yep. But if I had to play a Nephilape just out of hand, it never feels good. Like, uh, because it's not keeping the pace for, uh, like, a high... I mean, we're talking elite level, like, decks, right? Like, that's what we're trying mm-hmm. to, t- to tailor towards, so... Um, yeah, so, like, into coming into play and getting an immediate effect is a huge thing for basically generating efficiency um it's the same with amber right we talked about how with amber like when you play a card if you get a pip off of it that's a bonus that's like that's a good thing right like that's where you want to be you don't want to be playing cards that have nothing that like gives you back it towards your pushes your amber it's the same with creatures the creatures that come into play you want them to have play effects that are, are meaningful or you want them to be big enough or like beefy enough in some way to get to the board and stick to the board that you know that they're going to stick to the board, right? So um, like the bigger the bigger taunt creatures and stuff like that, and you want to make sure that they're used to, to protect the little guys that have things that you want to do with them, right? A good example of that in Coda would have been in the Mars house, you always had the Dominators, and then you had all these little awesome Mars cards that you could hide behind the Dominator, right? Um, that's somewhat more efficient than anything like a Niffle Ape coming into play, right? Because you're getting a big taunt creature that is going to protect your Mind Warper who has Elusive as well, or your John Smith that has Elusive as well. So unless they have direct damage, then they're not, you know, you're not getting to those guys in a turn, right? So that makes them a little bit better. Well, unless you, unless you have a Niffle Ape. 
yeah. <laughs> you don't want the nipple ape though. Yeah, if you, if you have the if you have the nipple ape though, he has to come into play, and then you have to right. wait a turn. Right. By, and by then the Martians are killing it. So. Right. Right. You've already John Smith has already reaped for twelve with the you know with the squawkers uh, and soft landing, <laughs> crystal yeah. hive and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. And, but anyway, I digress. Like so. Yeah. So like I just wanted to make sure people understood like why Library of Babel doc booked in and these kind of guys even like in Mass Mutations they have bot booked in that card is really mm-hmm. great like a lot of value there if you can get it to get online so mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. That, well plus in Mass Mutation you've got a chance to get draw icons on mm-hmm. some of these cards right so that's when you play it you, you draw a card right so that's better than waiting with your doc book and your library of Babel yeah, right? we'll, so it's we'll, we'll get adding in, play effects we'll get into the Mass Mutation uh, metagame here towards the end of the because uh, mass mutations on a whole nother level mm-hmm. <laughs> so but we'll talk more about that after we get through the rest of these so um so we talked about drawing in multiples like in like actions like igor and stuff like that so you can continue with your notes here about like yeah, uh, uh, larger volumes and stuff like that sure sure there's cards that let you just draw a ton of cards right so that starts to multiply right mm-hmm. so library access uh, library card as well, though that one is slower, right? You have to bring it online. It's the fair. Um, it's the fair version of library access, yes. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, Dark Amber Vault, right? Just slam down a whole bunch of mutants, draw a bunch of cards, make those mutants more powerful. Dark, know, Professor Dark... Torado could be super useful, right? If you already have a bunch of of mutants out in Logos uh, ready. You play them out and you just draw a whole bunch of cards. I've seen uh, when you reap those mutants. I've seen it's good stuff. I've seen the worst of Professor Torado is when you are able to land a Fandangle at four mm. amber, and mm-hmm. then like you get out of the thing, and your opponent doesn't deal with that Fandangle, and then mm. like because whether you like you know made it bigger using like um uh what's that card the one that gives you plus amber plus power. Uh, I can't think of the name. I'm going blank. Is it uh, Wild Growth, or is that the other one? It, it, it's yeah, it it's three it's, through one. It, it, it's not called Wild or Growth. Rapid Evolution. Rapid Evolution. That's the there one. There it yeah. is. Yeah. So so you play Rapid Evolution, you get your Fandangle to like ten power, and they can't deal with it. But then you get into your Logos Suite, and you have like Info Info Mancers, Professor Torados, and Bot Booktons, and all these. And then they all come into play, ready to go, and then you're tapping them and getting Amber and a drawing a card. It gets out of it gets crazy, and if you have a a, a dark amber vault with that as well, like holy crap, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so those are what we're those are A plus like S tier level like dab mm-hmm. decks, right? Like those are the ones that are gonna do the most damage for the most value. And like uh, the best ones I've seen have dab in untamed, so that they can basically get their fandangle value and draw a bunch of cards, put a bunch of mutants in in from the untamed suite and then their their follow-up turn in logos is the one that kills you because they just go for pure value and they draw their whole deck and they get the auto encoder and yeah it just it, it gets filthy and then your third house basically wins the game for you like whether it's shadows or or whatever else that it could be like uh, this like they all have like closing games that you can't handle anymore because they're going to get all this mass advantage off of those you know those cards and uh, mass mutations does a really good job of synergy like like houses are very cross synergized cross houses are now doing things that they normally used to, used to not have the ability to do like a kerzap like in logos like why would we need to leave a board wipe in logos like that's ridiculous um <laughs> but uh it's there and in and, and the thing is is like uh 
in time, the power creep of mass mutations is going to be ginormous. Like it's going to have better value in a five, you know, three or four sets from now, because like things like Vault's Blessing are going to be absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but anyhow, I digress. Let's talk about Genka. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well. Right. So Genka is like one of the uh, you know top top combos out there, right? Reason being, right, you can basically draw a massive amount of cards with your Martian generosity, right? Spend a whole bunch of Ember, which at first, at first glance, right, if you're especially if you're new to the game, seems weird, right? Why would you want to spend this precious Ember to draw cards, right? But but you know, on average, you're likely to get more Ember out of the cards you draw than than the Ember you just spent, right? If you have a good deck. Mm-hmm. Especially if you've got a key abduction. You forge for free, right? Because you've got all those cards in your hand, plus Plus now you have a million cards in your hand, right? So you can just go nuts that turn. You can go nuts the next turn or two with your other houses. Um, so you know, getting your whole deck into your hand is is really really good. And it's and it's hard to repress them from amber, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. PSA on Ganka decks. If you want to beat a Ganka deck, you have to keep them at zero amber. And if they get a burst of amber and they put themselves on six, never take them to five. Like if you take them to five, it's worse than just giving them the key at six because like then they're gonna really hammer you, especially if they're playing the key abduction and they have a way to abuse that. Or there's a lot of Ganka decks now that have gank like one Martian Generosity and two key abductions. So like mm-hmm. that's basically two free keys for them. So um, hard to stop, but not impossible. Like um, there there are tools to help you against Ganka. And like I said, the biggest is to keep them at zero amber or if they're ready to forge a key, let them have the key. Don't take them off of the key. That's like the biggest mistake I see people make playing against Genka. Like you want to ma- like manipulate their amber in a way that uh, they never have enough to to be worth going for it on the um, Martian generosity. And then even then, sometimes they have enough amber just in pips in the Martian house to get to three or four, and then the Martian generosity is an extra, and that's ten cards. Like you got to remember, like every pip is two cards for them. So at, at worst, Martian generosity draws you two cards. At worst, like if you were to play it just in a vacuum with nothing else going on for it, like uh, at zero amber, you play it, you get a pip, you draw two cards. So that right there is already amazing. But the fact that every extra piece of amber is two extra cards makes it very dangerous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which, right, if you get it and you just, you know, you're only going to draw those two cards, you kind of wish at that moment you had a little archiving (laughs) (laughs) to, uh, to, to save that card for the right time when you've got that five plus amber where you can just burst. Mm-hmm. So, so archiving is another really important facet of efficiency, right? So mm-hmm. it's taking your card, it's, you know, playing lab work, you get your ember, you put your put a card from your hand in, into your archive, right? And you, you're going to want to put something there that is going to be more effective later than it is now often. Often, not always, but but often, those are the types of cards you're you're looking to put there. Um, occasionally, right? If you have things like Eddie, maybe you're putting your junkie cards there, right? So you can just um, uh, have Eddie four by four, right? He's going to make your opponent's keys cost one more per card in your archive, so you can put your less good cards there as an alternative. Mm-hmm. But I think most of the time, you're putting your best cards there, the cards that you. Um, that you want to combo, right? Mm-hmm. Cards that maybe on their own are not 
that great. Maybe they're on their own, not the best cards in your deck, but together they're really good, right? Something like, uh, you know, Save the Pack is is not really a great card, but um, if you have, uh, they're everywhere, right? Where you can just damage all your opponent's creatures, it can be a one-sided board wipe. So together, those things can be strong, but if you're just hoping to get them together, how often is that really going to happen? Right, it's not good to make your combos over two sets of cards that you have to get unless they're super powerful that's that one's not that great but like um it's like the genka combo is worth it right like that's a heavy a heavy one but like ones like that like usually are overvalued more than like with newer players and casual players i mm-hmm. think they're they're more overvalued so i'm a new player drascore and i have a question for you yeah so we, we have got jupiter we, we have we, we have this card called lab work that you mentioned right uh-huh. they, they, also, they also have a card called sloppy lab work mm. uh, so mm-hmm. which which one is sloppy which, so which one is better at efficiency well definitely when i was new like you are little jupiter (laughs) i definitely said oh lab works better because why would i want to discard this other card like i want to play this card right Mm -hmm. but um but then you learn no you you don't right because um discarding is good right which 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 is confusing not not that i was a big magic the gather player or anything like that i only played a little bit in in i don't know junior high and i wasn't very good yeah but um, you, you didn't want to discard your cards there, right? Because you you drew so infrequently. But here, you always draw back up to to six cards. So you get rid of a card that is maybe that odd man out house, right? Maybe you've got three, two, one for your house, right? Maybe you play your your logos for three, right? If you have regular lab work, um, you know what are you archiving? Well, if, hey, if you have sloppy lab work, it's even better, right? You now you have a little bit of more of a, a choice potentially, where hey, I can archive one of my untamed cards and discard the one discard or something. I don't know, but um, it moves you through your deck more quickly and more often sets up turns where you're going to be playing five, six cards in one house, which is which is important. That's that's efficient, right? Right. Well, and here's the here's the difference in for like the simple math, right? The simplest maths are that your deck is 36 cards, right? And basically, your cards, if you are playing your hand of like basically you have six cards in your starting hand, if you were to play two cards every turn through the course of the rest of the 30 decks, that would be 15 turns it would take you to get through your deck, right? But by playing three cards a turn in that 30, now you're getting through your deck in 10 turns. That literally playing one extra card gets you through basically that much faster, right? Like basically five turns worth of faster. So that's like basically a, what, 33% speed increase by playing three. But if you were to play four, now you're looking at seven and some change turns to get through your deck. Right, so that basically says that if you play like like it literally doubles your efficiency, right? Basically, if you're playing four decks at four cards per turn, um, and the idea is like with something like sloppy lab work is that you're absolutely going to be playing three to four cards that turn, right? You're playing at least three because you're discard you're playing the sloppy lab work, you're getting the pip off of that, plus you're putting a card in archive which is gone, and you're discarding a card, so that's three. So that's way better than just a lab work where I get two cards out of the value, right? So you hit that one spot on. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know well, that I was going to ask him that. So this it's <laughs> yes, that was not added to the to the outline. <laughs> but it, it's a really good one, right? Because that is definitely something that, as I moved from a casual player to 
I don't know, I guess a more experienced player, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I had to learn. I had to learn. Right, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to teach. So, um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not doing these to try to trip him. If he gave me the wrong answer, I would I would tell him my opinion on it. But uh, again, it's like you're wrong. These are these, <laughs> these are all these are all opinions. And as long as you can back mm-hmm. your opinion mm-hmm. and you, your mind doesn't change in the in the argument, it's a good argument, right? And this is just kind of like where we're at. And like again, we're saying pretty pretty rudimentary, like pretty basic, like uh, on what we're trying to do. But these are like little things that newer players and, and nuances of some of the even the casual players that they don't really think about that they should and. And um, so that's what we're here to, to kind of highlight right at this point. Um, we'll get more complex as we go, but like uh, this is like where we're at now. So um, I think we, we, we've touched on archiving, archiving enough to kind of maybe move forward into the idea of um, house cheating. We'll do that. Cheating. Yes. So you cheating, cheating sounds good, right? For games. <laughs> um, so house cheating. Yes. Yeah, so you know, this... Um, it's interesting, right? Because it's kind of a unique thing to Keyforge, right? This whole concept of houses. Uh, but then being able to break out of that to play additional cards, not in the house you declared, Fave Shift, Helper Bot, Master Plan, car- cards like this, mm-hmm. help you move through faster. Also help you get more of those combos uh, together that are across houses, let you do more and more interesting things, right? So it goes back to what you were saying about, hey, now you're if you can play three or four cards a turn, you're going to get through your deck more quickly. You're going to be able to get back to those best cards, right? Redraw your Jenka <laughs> again uh, more quickly. Um, so so house cheating is really cool. So it's really powerful. So, so what we're starting to see is that the real powerful cards and efficiency are cards that not only play themselves, but bring in other cards from your hand to be played that's the common the common theme through both of these right through the archiving cards and the house mm-hmm. cheating cards is that like you said phase shift helper bot master plan all these cards basically say i'm playing a card from my hand that's allowing me to play a card i normally wouldn't be able to play from my hand so therefore i'm not being house locked and i'm not being basically trapped into a uh, into a uh, you know a a wall basically of, of trying to get faster play through my decks so um that's pretty yeah. pretty pretty important and it opens more lines of play too so the number of possibilities that you have available to you goes up which requires more skill right to to figure out the right thing to do but also gives you more of a more probability more options when you're you're behind the eight ball mm-hmm. to figure out a way out of it come back and win the game right all right, so move along. We're next on your list is discarding. So let's talk about yeah. discarding. Get rid of those cards, <laughs> right? So um, this is a. I guess this goes back to the lab work for sloppy lab work a little bit, right? Discarding cards out of your hand, right? Uh, now you can always discard cards that are in your active house, but that's not super exciting, right? Because you you could have played it or you could have discarded it, right? But being able to discard cards from outside your active house that that's better right because again you're getting to uh more cards in your deck especially if you've got effects that give you additional benefits for it something like you know all the various uh mutant bots in mass mutation right where you can discard a card and then you draw a card so you know discarding the card is is efficient drawing that another card is is efficient um, the Yurks, right? A play effect again, right? Get rid of a card that's that's maybe of a house you're less likely to want to play now. Uh, Hells and Spears, one of my favorites, right? 
chuck a bunch of cards on reap and then draw that same number of cards back now maybe you have more cards you can play from uh from star alliance if that's your active house right so it's it, it's really good right and decks with a lot of these sometimes you can even avoid calling a particular house uh for for a long period of time right call your your strongest your best uh best houses more often um which which was really one of the keys of you know we talked a little bit uh last time about uh master of knock burning uh the deck the deck i used at the sealed pax vault tour and that was really the key to the deck in many ways was those two helms and spears and then the two kirby's to just draw a ton of cards and then kirby to play cards out of house to house cheat and um you know there were some matches that i played there where i didn't didn't actually have to call my worlds collide brobnar much or at all and i could just keep calling star alliance and, and maybe a little bit of disc so so really discarding cards can be can be really strong yeah i agree with the uh that thought principle and like um another thing with discarding or, or removing cards are cards that basically let you cycle cards out of your deck like uh, you mentioned angry mob here um mm -hmm. card doesn't get enough love for how good it is if you want to see a good deck watch the keyforge premier league look at george uh who's compacted d's playlist he has a really great angry mob deck that he's been playing quite a bit and mm. uh, um it's like actually check that out. yeah it's actually does really great cycling and stuff with the angry mobs and he uses the angry mobs to just get tons of advantage by getting to fight with them and then like getting to the next one and you know kind of chaining through them um but also like the like uh i was talking about like i just got a deck that is basically niffle kong in it and it has a it has a niffle queen and it has three niffle apes and it has the kong which is two cards and it has it's coming so like I can get through my my untamed suite like ridiculously fast, and then I have auto encoder to boot with it in logos, which lets me look and go, wow, I don't have the cards I need for my Niffle Kong right now, and I really want to weed these uh, cards out of my way so I can play the other two houses I have in my deck. So just let me like pick a house that I have the most cards in and discard them, and now I'm getting a two for one value because I'm getting an archive and a draw off of that. So auto encoder now is fantastically like abused, right? Like uh, in in the way that you know the best players are going to want to abuse it. So, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's that. That's the the value of things like Nifflecon. And why is Graviton good right now? Like, why do people like that animal? Because Graviton comes into play and you archive five cards instantly. Like, um, that's five cards you get to draw for playing for playing a card that's weeding out again, weeding out of your deck, right? And basically taking and thinning your deck for you and giving you more options to play. So Graviton is wonderful, and these double Graviton decks that are going around are absurd. Like, um, those things are crazy, crazy. And, um, you know, I've seen those guys going around. So those guys are neat. So um, I, I'm a big Graviton's value of that. awesome. Yeah. And I really so, like him. Yeah. And so, and so, so why is Ducellus the worst card? Because it doesn't do any of that. All it does is it shifts Amber and it does Amber control. But, like, it, the value of it is, like, way less than the other two by a lot. So um, if you can see that, then I guess you get it. If you can't, then you should go look. But uh, like, you know, I, I, do you agree with that thought? Like when you talk, talk about just the three giants, like like, it's it's arguable to, depending on how the deck is built to which one is better. But I would say in a vacuum, I probably would rather have Graviton. But like- Yeah, I think but Graviton to me is definitely the best one. But Kong is still very viable for what we're mm -hmm. talking about, right? Like, because it, yeah. does, it does give you that- um, that ability to 
weed your deck, like thin your deck out, and the rest of your deck is what matters at that point, right? Like in mm-hmm. my in mm-hmm. my in my deck, I happen to have uh, a, a shadows with like eight or nine um, thieves and a heist knight, heist knight plus a safe house and a bow nothing. So like. I get a lot of value out of my shadows there and by getting to my shadows, but then I also have a logos house that has the Kurzap and it has the auto encoder and it has like, you know, a lot of draw, like extra draw capability and archiving. So like, it just helps me get faster to my Kong, which means like on turn two, I can Kong out. And if you don't have an answer to it, you're going to lose because like, it's going to like really populate the board and I have all the tools to, to protect my Amber that I can generate off of my early Kong. So um that's the idea like that's the kind of things that you look for and i do i think that my kong deck is a vault tour deck no i don't i think kong is still too much waste because we're playing three cards for you know basically three cards and hoping they stick to the table when one card of theirs can get rid of my kong right so i I still don't right right furnace fodder but but yeah yeah well and furnace turns turns your kong and stuff off at one shot like all it has to do Mm -hmm. is get half it just has to get half of it right and that's why infernus is a great card right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um enough i guess of all that we sidetrack a little bit there but the idea here is what we're trying so, to say is that getting through your deck faster is important and because it gives you all these advantages right the more chance the more options you have to make and like choices you have to make the more that your gameplay can actually come online like your skill can come in line right if you just if you're playing a deck like binary and like you're drawing and playing and drawing and playing and drawing and playing and not really manipulating out anything out of your deck then you aren't really playing your deck your deck is playing you and like you don't really like you're not going to win a lot of those games like those games are really up to your rng at that point there's nothing you can do to better those kind of decks and those are not the kind of decks you want to take to a competition at least in my opinion maybe you do maybe you're crazy and want to play you like you want to be one of those magic guys that show up at a, a huge event with like a 60 card island deck just because it's funny like <laughs> but it's you know i i I'm, I'm talking about for people who actually want to be competitive like uh you know i think efficiency is the number one of the number one things you know it's like right there with amber like the amount of amber you can generate because amber is definitely very important probably number one still but efficiency is definitely like a one b it's not to it's not uh, something you can overlook, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, and and uh, you know, as you were talking a little bit, I um, I just remembered something that I, I I noticed while I was poking at different cards. So so you'd mentioned Angry Mob before when we talked about efficiency. So you know, Dexa Keyforge, Angry Mob does not get any efficiency, and uh, it, it's kind of interesting, right? Because you are churning through cards in your deck. But um, are you churning through and getting to the right cards to help you with your win condition? I think it's the, the interesting question about Angry Mob. So is it is it or isn't it efficiency? I think it would be considered efficiency. But again, Corey has his math for, the, for SAS, and he has ways mm-hmm. he, he defines. He defines things. And this is another reason why I say SAS is good, but it's not the end-all be-all. Because he sure. defines things the way he defines them, and he has a set way of doing it, and he's been doing it that way since the beginning. And his method is not horrible. It's very good. For, and it's like nobody else has took the time to do this. So I'm very grateful for all the work he does with Dex and Keyforge. I, I patronize him as much as I can. As and, do I. And uh, I think he is, you know, definitely worth, like his time is definitely worth what he puts into it. But with that said, I also believe that um, 
there's but there's other math right there's other ways mm -hmm. to to come to your conclusions and like saying like uh like one of the things i that the, like the stats that are really off for me and one of the stats i love most is disruption like we had that discussion already too how disruption sure. doesn't always show up and this is like angry mob is definitely a efficiency card but the reason it's not an efficiency card is because it still has to get into play and two, it has to fight, right? So if you don't yep. have ways to make it fight, like when it comes right into play, like smites or all, you know, all against ones, like all, you know, or whatever that card is, uh, the one stood against many, yep. that kind of thing, then, yep. then the card really isn't that good. Like, right? So he's not wrong. Yeah. But when you enable it the card correctly... The card becomes definitely becomes an engine, right? Like in right. Like creating a proper engine in this game is important, and that's like I think what one of the things people don't really vest their thought process in is like when you're looking at the worst cards in the deck, how do they feed into the engine that you're trying to build? Like every deck needs a way to win, and uh, an engine has to basically be made to get to the to that end game, right? Like a good example of what I mean by this, like in case I'm kind of talking weird, is like an engine to me is like the idea of like a, the really simple Coda engine. It would be something like Hunting Witch into Dust Pixie, into Dust Pixie, into Nature's Call, into Choda, into like Dust Pixie, Dust Pixie, Choda again, right? Like that's like two keys and that's an engine and that's a method to win. Like it's going to get me to an end game, right? Um, whereas like um another type of engine like just to give you a totally different one would be also like i play key i play um control of the week i lock you into a house that i know you can't do anything in and then once i i, I have established that now i dominate or bobble which of the i bring back control of the week right and like because i know now that I'm then gonna, you're toast I, I, <laughs> how I, much I, you can do <laughs> yeah i'm going to basically control the week you and i'm going to gain one amber every time i do this combo and i win eventually right i have an out i have a thing now this isn't saying that i'm playing to something that doesn't generate amber and you just lock down the board and nothing can happen that's a stalemate that's not an engine that's basically you walking yourself into a wall and going i'm okay with a tie um that's never going to happen in keyforge they don't do ties but uh that's just not a fun way to, to play Keyforge, in my opinion. But um, it is technically a way. But uh, I haven't seen much of the. Uh... Yeah, you gotta you gotta have other things also, right? Because maybe you don't get that combo. Even if you have a relatively efficient deck, right? Those cards can still be towards the bottom of your deck, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, you know, it just you get one the first turn, one the last at rate. Like it just it doesn't always come out that way, right? So so you you want to have efficiency to more often get those things that you want but you you still have to have other stuff in order to um win often enough yeah i agree like the yeah like i i think that like to have a top tier deck you have to have a way to win like a win condition and you have to have like a way like thing and the best decks have more than one way to win like that's the real like the 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 big thing mm -hmm. it's like it's like if i'm playing quixel stone and my opponent can disrupt my quixel stone can i still do something else like right. it might not be as efficient as your quixel, quixel stone but can i do something else is there another way do i have enough amber in the deck to push like just raw amber push or do i have enough control in my deck that like if my quixel stone dies i can still like lean on my fangtooth caverns or something you know like there's just a lot of different things. Like, and the more complex your deck is at uh, finding ways to win, the better it's going to be because you have more answers to the different styles that you're going to run into. Because there's a lot of people who go in and they just play an all-in style. And like, a, like one of those, like what I was talking about, like I have a deck where it's like it's just loaded with untamed, and like I'm trying to make two keys in one turn with my nature's calls and my dust pixies and my Kachoda. Like, that's a very, very strong, like you know, top level 
like a way to win, but I also have Dece to back it up and I have like, you know, Logos to speed it up. So like, that's what makes it like a top, like more of a top tier type deck for me because mm-hmm. I have other things I can do with it. And um, it's something like a lot of people do. They go in for the one trick pony and they think it's great. And that, those are the fun decks, like for casual clay, absolutely great. Like I keep talking about Nerosaur and Barista Joya. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely not a Vault Tour level combo thing, but it's super fun for me when I get to play it uh, because it's just fun to lock the board. And like, it literally just means that whatever's there has to, can't be really doing much of anything. Can you break that? Yeah, you probably can get out of it. But like when I do lock it in like that, it's it's pretty fun because... But like, to your other, you, you know, your previous point, right? If you've got that and a few other things in the deck mm-hmm. and you've got multiple different ways to go at your opponent now, maybe it's super interesting. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's definitely my like last thing in the deck I can get done. But when I do get it done, it feels fun. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. good. But there's plenty of other things in the deck I'm talking about that I have that that I could do to win. But like, that's like the fun thing to try to get. Like, <laughs> that's the, the sadistic part of me trying to make people go, "Man, I hate this game." <laughs> Which my fiance laughs at me all the time when when I'm when I'm laughing at people when they they're just like rage quitting on certain decks I have. Like, and I'm just like, maniacally. Yeah, I just have fun doing it. I'm, I'm I know. I'm an evil person, but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. So yeah. So okay. So I think let's see. Let me get down and see where we're. So disc, we did discarding. Mm-hmm. There's hand size increase. Yeah. Right? Go so for that's it. go for it. That, that that's just super valuable, right? You've got mother, daughter, Zenzi, Zenzi, Zenzik, um, and and a few other cards that just. You just every turn you get more cards, right? So that just gives you more options, gives you more opportunity to be able to play more than two cards a turn. And uh, so I think that's it's it's one of the more flexible uh, things th- things there are out there. And it's it's it always feels good. I'm I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a new player and I have a question. So does that mean Howling Pit is good? Because as soon as I play Howling Pit, I get the first advantage of it, right? Like because I get, um, I get to draw first. Well, <laughs> it <laughs> no little Jupiter. So, <laughs> so you give your opponent two. So, so in net, did you really help yourself? Well, maybe it depends on your deck, right? And it depends on your opponent's deck. And you can control what deck you're bringing to an extent, right? You can't pick every card, but to an extent, you can control what what kind of deck you're bringing. But you can't really control what your opponent is bringing. And you know, maybe they're bringing like a super combo deck, right? Where all they're trying to do is, you know, set up their one combo to win the game, whether it's Genka or, or it's something else. And if you bring a Howling Pit, are, are you helping them get that more quickly? Yes. Is that better or worse than the value you're getting out of whatever you're trying to do more quickly? It's hard to say until you see the actual matchup. So, and that's where it's a dangerous card to bring to, to, you know, like a serious competition. I think it is a zero sum card, like because like you're getting a card, they're getting a card, and in the end, like uh, it doesn't. All it does is make the deck 
both decks move faster, right? And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. like you said, it's very situational to whether it's good or not. If you have a deck that is like all about drawing, like you have mothers, daughters, and like, uh, you know, <laughs> howling pits, go for it. Like uh, that means that you're all into drawing a lot of cards and having a big hand size, right? In that case, I think maybe it has some value, but I think in a case where you don't have that and it's like the only card in your deck that basically makes you go to seven cards, like it makes your opponent go to seven cards too. Now when they play their mother or daughter, like they have a much more of an advantage using it than you would right so um yeah it's a trick it's a trick card like it's a it's a tricky card so um yeah it's definitely one to think about right so i I agree i agree you know and i do have a deck that i'm just quickly searching through my decks and it reminded me there's a deck here i have that it's got a howling pit it's called uh, edinine judge of the bizarre bar and so it's got the howling pit it's got double daughter it's got Qmec, mm-hmm. um, so it's got sloppy lab work. It's got seventeen speed on deck of the Keyforge, whole bunch of stuff. So it can go fast. And it's also got hold the line. And it's got Quixelstone. So if I need to get to Quixelstone quickly, then maybe it's good. I think but again, I think in that deck it's really good because, like I said, you have the daughter support, you have the lethalogica, mm-hmm. you have like all these things that basically hold are the line. <laughs> yeah, they're basically all yeah. trying to, uh, you know, get you to something fast, right? And that's the idea mm-hmm. of that card is to speed up your deck. And since speed is what you're going for, you're going to probably outspeed your opponent most of the time. Um, and if they're going fast, then they're going to have cards that are going to make them go fast too. But like uh, that's something you have to make your deter- like when you're looking at their deck list. That's when you have to make the determination: is this going to help me more or help them more, right? And if it's them, you don't play it; you discard it. Um, hopefully to an auto encoder. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's something that you think is going to benefit you, then you're definitely going to play it, right? Like, um, and it's like a judgment call. And this is why you have to get reps in with decks because like a lot of different decks have different feels and like different ways that you're going to get to what they get to right absolutely so, all right so an interesting point is coming up now this is the one section that i was kind of curious to your logic on but you 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 put down on your list returning from discard as mm-hmm. as efficiency yes well and it in uh dex and keyforge it it does count as efficiency so and i i wrote here Strength depends on location. Location being, well, where are you returning it to, right? So probably the most common one is to your hand, right? So regrowth, the pentheseed, stuff like this. And like, is it real efficiency, right? So, um, uh, you you know, I hear sometimes if you hear Big Z talk about um, real real F, He's talking about like, hey, you know, sort of ignoring. I think some of these uh, return to hand, return, uh, return to your top of your deck, like stuff. Some of these things are not really helping you move through your deck more quickly. Potentially, they're helping you do something that is powerful, like a, a um, you know, a combo or something, right? Uh, you, you know, if you can put your Chota, get your Chota in your discard, and then regrowth it and play it at the right time. Right, that's kind of, sort of, a little bit like archiving it, but um, um, it's not necessarily helping you move through your deck more quickly. What's your net value on a uh, regrowth Chota? Um, it is. It's definitely not the the way you want to do it. 
it's, right and it's, it's and a, if you're looking at the deck sum, right like it's a zero sum like you're gonna get playing you're gonna get a pip for playing regrowth mm-hmm. and you're gonna get your charity back and then when you play your charity mm-hmm. it's gonna eat that pip yep <laughs> so it's, yep. Re- it's really situational like in a vacuum it's horrible right but like if you have you know you just took a butt ton of amber making you know dust pixies mm-hmm. and basically you know going nuts with that then you basically can you know get the value out of the double chota obviously with the regrowth and stuff mm-hmm. but i still mm-hmm. don't i don't call, like I, i'm in full agreement with z i never heard him say real f but uh like uh i i don't know how returning things from discard to your hand is considered efficiency when everything else about efficiency is moving things from your hand out of your deck so that you can mm-hmm. get to the next thing this is actually like clogging you it, it rarely does this kind of efficiency clog like what you're talking about with the regrowth and the dependencies very rarely does that clog you right because usually you're using mm. it to put things together for your combos and stuff like that but right. is this really efficiency is it so so the it's borderline right and and i know dex forge has it and i i think a lot of times it's not like you could you could argue potentially very legitimately that hey it is some amount of efficiency because what it means is in the scenario i gave you're going to be able to, you know, get that Chota on turn two and just discard it. And that sort of free discard, um, but was it really free? It's in your house anyway. Then you can bring it back. So, uh, you know. But at this point now, though, we're changing the definition that we had for efficiency. Because before we said efficiency was the speed at which you move through your deck, right? Like basically mm-hmm. in a nutshell. So now, now no longer can we call this, can we say efficiency is just that? This is kind of like the port control thing, right? Like uh-huh. we we had we had to define we had to evolve the definition because here this is efficiency in the idea of I'm getting maximum value out of the cards that I'm recycling. Exhum, mm-hmm. great great card. Like um, regrowth, Nepenthe seeds, like very high potential, right? Like Nepenthe seed is, is bonkers, right? It, that card oh, is, yeah. is is super good. Um, it's like top ten for sure, and like um, it's amazing, but it's is it, it it's efficient in the idea that it's efficiently playing the best card in your deck toys like it's mm-hmm. basically doubling mm-hmm. your best card in your deck right so um that's not or making the, your combo or whatever yeah that's yeah. not that's not the same as what we've been talking about <laughs> like as far as what efficiency is and this is where maybe new players get confused right because you have efficiency and like you're basically grilled uh, it's all about speed and about go 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 and then when somebody comes along and they go hey i, I see you have a four exhum deck i would like to trade for that and you're like well yeah i guess exhum's kind of slow like as a new player right you know that's completely the wrong idea like exhum is amazing it's like a, an amazing card and it gives you tons of value and um um, but it's not really efficiency because it's not blistering you through your deck. Like it's giving you efficiency in other ways. It's giving you Amber. It's giving you um, regeneration of a creature from your graveyard back into play and getting a play effect off of that creature. Like, um, so, you know, cards like Exhum and stuff like that, they're the exact opposite of what efficiency is defined as on Keyforge when you're talking about speed and getting through your deck, right? They are in many ways, right? Because you're you're often doing something that is potentially slowing you down, right? Like now, maybe to your point, regrowth is maybe net zero in the best case, but like certainly there's cases where you know you'd say to yourself, "Well, I in the I'm going to take the in the worst yeah case, in, in the worst I'm going to take the hit yeah I'm going to take the hit of pulling back like um, I don't know sure Lord Invidious or something really great card, but like um, 
but you're going to be waiting a turn to play him probably, right? right so right. so that's slowing you down. And maybe that's the right move, but it's not efficiency, right? That's advanced play. Like it's an advanced decision, right? Like once mm-hmm. you get the core basics and the basics down, then yeah, great. So for if you're a new player, I want you to basically play regrowth to get a choda and win with a choda. But if mm-hmm. you're an advanced player, maybe you're playing regrowth to set up something else in a different house, and so you're going someplace else for it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I get I get that. But yeah, I just wanted to, to basically see what it says and how it was. But uh, all right, so like we're going kind of longish. So I'm going to say, what? How do you want to wrap this up? Because I think we've talked about some cool things. There's still a couple of random things that maybe you want to talk about, and then we'll move on and say goodbye. I guess there's a couple other odds and ends we should hit quickly, right? There's um, there's some of like the random play cards, like your wild wormholes, your bot bookedins. Great way to play more cards, um, though also occasionally can <laughs> end really badly, right? You just as long as I don't hit my gateway to dis, and then you do, right? Um, or, or something like that, right? Um, uh, or your unlocked gateway, even worse, uh, end your turn. Um, and then there's some other odd things that work a little differently, like um, reverse time or screaming cave, uh, where you know screaming cave basically says, you know, take your hand, take your discard pile, shuffle back into your deck. So, is that efficient, or is that just scrambling everything around? <laughs> it's efficient because most people that play screaming cave the, the way it's supposed to be played are weeding their deck out, like with like exiles and purges mm-hmm. so like um usually it's a it's a good thing because you got to remember as you put cards onto the board and stuff like that they're out of the loop and then you mm-hmm. when you re-loop you're basically reloading with the things you want to reload but again that's advanced theory that's advanced stuff and again i don't think it's efficiency in the idea of what basic efficiency is defined as right like um that's mm-hmm. the, that's the thing that i guess i'm getting at for newer players to think about is like there's different levels to this game like 101 efficiency says go through your deck fast 102 says hey you might want to like, take a pump the brakes a little bit and 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 see how you know how, like where you're going with what you're doing as far as like your your deck idea right and then like you know advanced master theory is basically playing gasolina that george kegel plays like a uh, you know compact d where it's like nothing is how it seems because mm-hmm. if you play it the way that most people would play it you would never win with that deck but mm-hmm. but by knowing what the cards are doing and having a very set game plan for how you want to get to that like all of a sudden the deck becomes one of the best decks in the world that wins you two vault tours right mm-hmm. like uh, not many people can pilot gasoline like george like i would say nobody can pilot it like george he's definitely the master of that deck and that deck is very very hard to play it's like uh you know iq 3000 <laughs> to to play it so like uh, props to him for that um if you want to see a great game played go watch the archon corner um, they had basically all like a bunch of Vault Tour decks play against each other in top 16, and George's deck won. Even though in the finals, you can hear the commentators giving him no chance to win against, <laughs> against Duncaro's deck, which is a uh, is a Pink Fraud, which is very popular as well. Another two-time winner. Um, but Pink Another Fraud, very efficient deck, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah very, because it plays the triple battle fleet. Like, so yeah, it does it does crazy things. But uh, but they were basically, everybody had pretty much sold George off as like not going to have a good time with this fight. And uh, he won 2-0. So 
it goes mm -hmm. to show it goes to show you reps and rng still matter even at the highest level of gameplay <laughs> absolutely absolutely you know i definitely feel like the decks i play more often i i play a lot better mm -hmm. and part of the reason i just want to play all the time is i want to get more reps with so many decks that i have mm -hmm. all right so that's gonna think i'm gonna sum this up for efficiency because i don't want to go too much over an hour like we're at six minutes to close so um like uh we we had some decks we were going to talk about and stuff like that but uh i think Drascore, you've been having fun doing this and we could continue yeah. to do this weekly uh you could be my new co-host and we can from here maybe take out and start just like dissecting decks for people, like picking decks every week, maybe having, well, I'll set up a board or a Twitter that says, you know, send me some decks that you want to hear us pick apart. And then we could take mm. turns, like uh, picking part decks. So yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be something fun to do. Um, and maybe like just to have more discussion about these things. Cause I think uh, for the most part, people are getting value out of this and uh, I, th I hope they are at least. And um, it's a good starting point. Like, again, like we're not trying to tell you that this is the pro level type stuff but we're trying to tell you that like broadening horizon always try to think bigger than what your deck looks like it's doing because most decks have like small things that matter and the more you play them the more you'll see them and the more you think about them the more like um you can shape towards those things that other people aren't going to see because normally if you're playing in a deck and you you discover something after 10 games of playing it and you go oh why didn't I think of this? Most likely your opponent will never think of that because they're not playing your deck enough. And those are the things that really can set you ahead in, in matchups with people. When they, and they're going to be like, wow, what a big brain play. And what it really is, is just that you took the time to learn how to find that, right? And basically how to set that up and see it because mm -hmm. it's not something that was obvious. And so that's what makes the best decks the best. Also. That and simplicity of play, right? Like how fast it can get to what it needs to get to. So. I agree. That, that is I agree. my that is my soapbox, and I am going to say my adieus and goodbyes and thank yous um, for all this. And uh, Draxor, you're going to take us out, so you close the show today. And close the show out. All right, everyone. Well, uh, this is Draxor. Thanks everybody for listening. In. Have a good night. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. And if you'd like to be part of the conversation, reach out to us at KeyForgePremierLeague at gmail.com and join the show. Without you, we couldn't be us. Check out www.KeyForgePremierLeague.com for links to all our content, including learn to play videos and critique on gameplays. No matter what your level is, you are always welcome. Be a part of it. The KeyForge Premier League. Get there.